94.7 Kumu Kokua, because Kumu cares. Of course, we've got Lieutenant Governor Josh Green uh, back in our Kumu studio to update us on the situation with the COVID-19 response here in Hawaii. A lot has changed mm-hmm. in the last week since we had you. What is top of mind for you? What are you most worried about and concerned? Top of mind is to uh, recognize the threat to us as a state. We have, uh, since we were here together last Friday, uh, we've averaged about 150 cases a day. And that means we have 1,000 new active cases of COVID, all of which uh, does put pressure on our system, on the hospital system, on the intensive care unit beds, on the ventilators that will be out there. And a surge of this magnitude, which if spread over 30 days would be over 4,500 patients, would mean five to 600 individuals that would need to be hospitalized. And of those numbers, you can imagine with only 244 intensive care unit beds statewide, that could pose a significant threat and what we've seen in some other states. So as the surge uh, worsened, it was evident to me by Tuesday morning that we had to take uh, serious action. And that's when I proposed that that we did need to go into a, a significant Uh, step back as far as what we can do for gathering purposes. So that was the decision you saw yesterday reflected by the governor and the mayors uh, on TV. That means don't gather. We're we're somewhere between the yellow and orange categories, what they described yesterday. Um, They're calling it act with care. I know those cliches don't really mean squat to anybody, but the key is beach parks, beaches closed so that we don't have big gatherings. Like you guys saw what happened at the YMA Rock, right? You oh, know, yes. Huge mm-hmm. crowds, right? That That is, that's a recipe for disaster because that's lots of young people who will spread it amongst themselves and then they'll take it home to their parents or their kupuna. So that's what we can't have. That's what's being curtailed. And then the spread from, the potential spread from Oahu to the neighbor islands, where the neighbor islands are the one kind of the one bright spot at the moment because we don't have spread across the neighbor islands where they have very, very limited uh, intensive care unit and ventilator capacity were safer by not having any travel from without quarantine from Oahu to the neighbor islands. We should be able to contain any spread, and that's the goal for now. And the surge, when we looked at the models, and by the end of August, we could overwhelm our hospital capacity if we didn't act. So we got to knock these numbers down significantly. Honestly, we've got to knock them down back into the like lower than fifty range. Otherwise, the accumula- accumulation of cases is too great. What does that mean on a human level, like the decisions that doctors have to make? What does that mean for patients? Like, what does that look like? Okay, so that thank you. That's um, This is right kind of in my wheelhouse. So uh, <laughs> statewide, we have 2,773 hospital beds total, all things included. Statewide, we have 244 intensive care unit beds. So that's about 10%. That's where you would get, you know, extremely comprehensive care every minute by a team of nurses uh, and doctors. And then we have statewide, we have 459 ventilators where you could add some extra respiratory care if in crisis. So what does it mean to surge beyond our capacity? Well, it could mean a lot of things. It could mean the whole system gets overwhelmed, that statewide we exceed our 2,773 beds to just care for people. I've put into place with with the leadership lots of plans, and they've done all the hard work. When I mean leadership, I'm talking about the hospital leadership. They have capacity increases up to 30% in a lot of the facilities, and they're getting that ready. So you could go from the 2,700 beds to probably another, you could add probably another 800 beds if you had to without building new structures. Same thing goes for the intensive care unit beds. You could probably add 75 or 80 ICU beds 
because what you would do is you would decrease elective surgeries and those surgical theaters, the surgical wards where we do operations, become de facto intensive care unit beds. And you can expand some of your capacity if you can find enough staff. Big challenge, okay? Mm -hmm. So surging beyond our capacity means that in any one region, we go beyond what we can. This, this month, uh, we have seen large increases. This week, we've seen at least two of our hospitals reach their capacity for ICU uh, support and have had to begun to ask other people to take care of patients when they come to overflow. So that will happen really quickly if we continue on this trend. Right now with 1,400 active cases, that's over the last essentially 17 days or so, some mm -hmm. such number, you can expect these 1,400 people to be at risk because it's always two to three weeks later when COVID starts manifesting in the lungs to get sick enough that they might need to go to the hospital. And it's usually 11% of the, of the cases that we confirm end up in the hospital. So of these 1,400 active cases, something like, you know, 170 cases will be hospitalized. That's why you're seeing the surge. That's why everyone's preparing for that and why we have to clamp down and get the numbers down so that we don't see the subsequent overwhelming uh, hospital need. Mm. And then if we get overwhelmed that way in terms of the capacity, <laughs> could we see a situation like the kind we saw, you know, just not too long ago in New York and Jersey where doctors had to make decisions about which of the patients get care because who is more likely to survive? And, and then when you get an overflow of people who are dying, you know, bodies going into refrigerated trucks and things like that, we don't want to go there. Is that even a possibility, something that you're thinking about? Uh, well, it even for me, it's hard to think about refrigerated trucks and bodies because I can't go there psychologically when I have to be in the active phase of care. But you are on the right thread. So yes, if we reach a capacity question, it's actually more than just the beds. What happens is in hospitals, when they've reached capacity, then they make the hard decisions of whether to admit or not admit a patient just judging risk. That's what I do. That's what everyone does. So if we are already full, your threshold to not admit someone to the hospital is based on what their risk would be. A lot of times we, we try to minimize risk to zero. If you have an overwhelming uh, surge at a hospital or your capacity is maxed, then this is now, get, we're really getting into some pretty nitty gritty, deep thought healthcare um, philosophies, but then you end up having to accept higher risk, 20%, 40% risk at home. And all of those have consequences. That means some people won't make it. Some people will have extra complications. Some people might not get to the hospital again in time. We would tend to build out a lot of extra facilities and ask for help. We'd bring in the National Guard and all of that health team, the DMAT team. We would enhance lots of our services, and we would decrease all of the services that can be put off, which is the elective surgery. So if someone's going to get their bunions fixed, which is a bummer, you can do that in October rather than take up a bed in a hospital operating room and so on for a couple of days. Uh, Lieutenant Governor, my question is, okay, so we shut down people going to parks and stuff like that. Um, I know there are some people who are saying, well, but I thought the parks were okay because, you know, open air and sun and those things are great. They are better than indoors. Okay, so, mm -hmm. but they're not good if... 50, 75, 250 people are gathering. Sure. So that's the challenge. Mm -hmm. And I know that you're obviously, I know you're not suggesting that. It's just for people's clarity. Yes, being outdoors. So going out for a, a five mile walk with your loved one is awesome. And you should do that right now, you know. But going to a beach park where uh, 
lots of people instead of separating and we still gathered and we see it everywhere. That's just too risky. Now, mm -hmm. if you had to give me a choice between one or the other, black and white, do you allow people to get together outdoors or indoors? Then, of course, outdoors is better. Uh, we can't allow that now because what happened was the surges were gigantic. And also it became impossible to enforce anything. So to make a distinction between one nice cluster of seven people that were all in the same household and in the same bubble and no risk versus several groups coming together and now looking like a group of 60 who are not in the same bubble, obviously, and now likely to spread, it became a problem. Now, I will say this. If you have dining outdoors on a curb and then you have dining indoors where you have a difficult time socially distancing people, some of the early data shows that dining outdoors in open air is 19 times less risky than in indoor enclosed space. So there is scientific evidence for that, and we should definitely follow the science in this particular case. Uh, that's necessary. And when I say in this case, I mean COVID-19. So, you know, you're seeing kind of an attempt at decreasing large groups and large gatherings without destroying the last remnant of the economic you know, activity that we have. Do you feel that this round of orders went far enough or too far or is it just right? Or do we need something else in addition to that? Okay. So we absolutely need something else in addition to it. Is that right? Yeah. We, the one thing that was left out yesterday, which was a mistake was they should have also announced um, a large number of people in public health going immediately to the danger zones uh, we have a small number of contact tracers that are full-time compared to what we need, a small number. We have trained people, and that was something that I know we talked about that's been celebrated. We have a couple hundred, maybe 400 people that have been trained. If they're not working, it doesn't mean anything, okay? So it's useless. So that was the mistake. That is what I would have added to yesterday's conversation, and I just wasn't given the opportunity, which is fine. You know, I, I did suggest that we better be doing that. We've been talking about that for a long time. The Pacific Islander community, which now represents between 27 and 33% of all cases, yet only represents 4% wow. of the population Okay, wow. that we're talking about, that that is an enormous surge that we should have a fleet of healthcare workers with language uh, and cultural capacity. The, uh, the restrictions on activities may be adequate for the moment, and we'll see if it works. The capacity to engage on a public health level is utterly inadequate. It's a... Uh, it's a, a crying shame that we continue to have to have this fight with um, Dr. Park, and it has to be done. I've what is the reason why they're saying you, they're not going to do it? They are reluctant to go all in, and it is very difficult work and a lot of work to add administratively all those individuals. And But why train 400 people then if you're not even going to hire them and have them do the job? Well, they've been forced to do it through public opinion. Otherwise, they were not doing it. And it should have been done months ago. And unfortunately, that is a, a, uh, that's a dereliction of duty. And mm -hmm. that's what's been expressed at the Senate level. And they're working their butts off. They're doing some great work. But mm -hmm. that is a piece of work where they have to accept extra help. They need to accept General Har's help. They need to accept, uh, we now have offered, I believe, 68 National Guardsmen, but they're going to now have to be trained up to do it. It will be timely and expensive. And it's a mistake. It was a mm -hmm. mistake to push back on that. It was a mistake to have only a very small handful of full-time people doing it. And it's going to be difficult because now it's like trying to stick your thumb in a dam that's breaking. 
And you are now going to hear them express that it's too far gone, it's endemic. Well, it should never have been like that. And unfortunately, that's just an excuse. We should still chase down all the cases that we can, even if it takes 500 people, which was, by the way, what the CDC recommended. Mm. Over 30, 30 people per 100,000. We have 1.4 million people. Math is easy. It's 420 plus contact tracers. Mm. Now, these are the realities. And it's a... Uh, it's a big challenge, but why don't they do it? It's just there's so much to do. And so there's now a COVID, uh, there's like a COVID uh, extra coordinated center, what they're going to be doing a lot of work out of, and that will be helpful. Uh, that is under General Hara, and it's connected, of course, to the reopening process and so on. So it's uh, it's necessary. It's really I just I can't believe yeah. it's taken this long to get yeah. to this point and yeah. it's still not quite at the number of contact tracers that you're saying. So also left out of yesterday's announcements, you feel should have been some kind of targeted effort for reaching those danger zone and, and, and underserved community groups such as the Pacific Islanders. Is that correct? That's exactly right. Yeah. And, I, mm-hmm. and I heard straight from the Pacific Islander leadership. Um, they also met with the mayor and and that's evident that that has to happen. And it's mm-hmm. again, it's hard work, but there's a way to do that. What should be done immediately is resources should be given to the community health centers who have lots of community health workers that are from these ethnicities. They can immediately be activated. They're already there. And you put those people on the streets. You make them go directly to the communities. You have them support uh, uh, Dr. Park and Director Anderson's teams in the effort to contact trace. You augment that force, and that's what you do. And that's how you get through this. Um, But there's no other... There's really a, no other way to get to a, a slowdown of the disease unless you do all of these things. If you just do one or the other, what will happen, and people have written me about this, they say, okay, wait, great, you shut down for 30 days, shut down the parks and beaches. What happens the day after you open? We go back to the same place? That's exactly right. Mm-hmm. We will have exactly the same problem unless we go back and do these other, these other hard things, which means that in these 30 days, this is the time – and they're going to be playing catch up, we know, but this is the time for that army of people to be uh, hired and put into the space of work and to be ready to go, even if we can get the cases back down to 30 or 40 cases a day. Because after 14 days and then subsequently the next 14 days, all of these current cases of people who have COVID will either be cleared, relieved from getting out of the hospital, or dead. Okay, that's what's going to be happening in the next 30 days. And hopefully it won't be too much of the latter. It will be one out of 72 people that that we diagnose will probably die, which means that we've had we've had uh, 100 and I'm sorry, 1400 cases. That's probably going to translate to 15 to 20 fatalities. Um, And and it will be mostly reports every other day of an elderly man or woman, one of our kupuna who is 72 years old or 81 years old who had. You'll read this over and over again. You know, so-and-so had underlying, underlying health problems. Or whatever, yeah. Right. And oh. they died at such and such hospital last night succumbing to COVID-19. And you can hear that over and over again. So it's a big challenge and it can be done. It can be over uh, overwhelming at times, which we we need to give more help and more support to, to Director Anderson and Dr. Park. But they have to accept it. And that's the thing that you don't hear because you don't get a lot of straight talk and you have to hear that in this particular case. We can lie about stuff all the rest of the time when it's not (laughs) life on the line and just take our lumps, I guess, for being, you know, not honest. Mm. And that's not cool, but people do that. But if it's a global pandemic, you got to be straight. 
Mm. Okay. Several listeners were asking about what do you think about the reopening of schools? Let's talk about that because that's like we're talking hundreds of thousands of students, teachers, parents, families all affected. Do you think we should still open August 17? Uh, my personal opinion, and it's not the position of the administration, I don't know yet what they'll finally decide is mm-hmm. that you should wait till after Labor Day. We're simply in too large a surge to uh, inject uncertainty, and that means up to 150,000 or 180,000 option of public school students going back into schools where teachers themselves and parents themselves are worried that the spread is everywhere. Now, the neighbor islands are a different beast right now because the case rates are way lower. So my recommendation would be that Oahu should pause until after Labor Day. And because I think it's too complicated to have one program for one part of the state and another for the other at this moment, it would be too difficult. So I would pause there until after Labor Day and then get it going if it's if our numbers are down. Hmm. Uh, keeping in line with that, I have a, a friend who's asking me about directions for smaller private schools. Uh, they opened August 3rd and they've got safety protocols in place, but should they remain open? Should they think about closing? They're, they're much better equipped right now to open if they'd like. And I think that uh, private schools, which are obviously, obviously smaller and probably have on average about three times the uh, resources per student than public schools do, mm-hmm. if, if my tuition for my daughter is any indication, <laughs> then um, I think that they can make that determination. I think that the families themselves will decide in that case whether they can tolerate the risk of potential spread and coming back. But yeah, they can spread things out a lot better and they can also, because there's more resources and it's not fair in many ways, but they can do a lot more distance learning when they have to throttle down. Um, what does this all mean now for the reopening of tourism that is supposed to happen on September 1st? There's a couple of things that I want to ask in relation to that, because we are talking about not only a rise uh, in, you know, a surge in the cases, but also some uncertainty. We keep seeing stories coming over the wire about the re- uh, about the unreliability of some forms of testing. So much of the reopening plan here in Hawaii relies on this testing uh, idea, right, that, that it would be a reliable way to know if people are coming in. So do these things things have an effect on our planned September 1st reopening of tourism? Well, what has a, the largest impact on our reopening plan is the number of cases here in Hawaii and, of course, the number of cases that were surging on the mainland. So the reopening is would it be potentially, and I do think it will be delayed, uh, would be potentially 23, 24 days from now. Because we are having so much challenge, <coughs> excuse me, as I expressed even about schools, right, not wanting to add an additional variable, I think it's also important to not add that variable I do want eventually our economy, or especially our tourist economy, to be able to open. Tourists, as it was just commented by a few of the viewers, uh, do not uh, do not represent the lion's share of our cases. First of all, we have as many returning travelers, returning um, visitors. I'm sorry, returning residents as we do travelers right now. The spread has been amongst ourselves. It's not really been amongst tourists. Uh, if we did go back to fifteen or twenty thousand or our max at 30,000 a day, which is not going to happen for a long time for mm-hmm. many reasons. Uh, of course, we'd be more worried, but we would only see probably about three out of a thousand individuals once you had a test done and screen people that could still be positive. Those are utterly no n- low numbers compared to what we're dealing with, and they don't tend to mingle much with local residents. I don't think that that's going to be our biggest uh, safety hurdle. I think the biggest hurdle is that we can't comfortably open up all of our other services and have ourselves mixing with one another and spreading the virus. So I will make sure that we are prepared best I can to have that testing protocol in place. But I look, I'm just kind of be 
kind of candid with you, right? Mm-hmm. If we are moving now a month to September through September 5th with not having our parks or beaches open and we're locking down on our own people. And then I think what you have to do is expect to see that settle down before the schools can open comfortably. We will see the trend. And then I think you begin the process of opening up to travel elsewhere. Hopefully the numbers will have dropped sufficiently on the mainland that there are enough tests available. We have uh, CVS is already uh, in agreement with us to test. So is Kaiser. We still are working on Walgreens. We have a mail-in company. You mentioned some of these other tests, which are actually adequate for the most part. They won't be perfect, but when you're screening low-risk individuals, you just are adding another layer of, of some semblance of safety. Why can't we have a universal mask mandate for everyone to wear masks? Uh, because of litigators, mostly. People are trying to sue states that do that, and it creates a, a lot of trouble. Now, we would win that case, but you only have so much capacity to defend. Right now, a lot of people who would like to disrupt any kind of mask use, any kind of quarantine, any kind of any mm-hmm. regulation are trying to toss lots and lots of lawsuits uh, and overwhelm the system. So we essentially do have each of the counties with a mask policy. Uh, I will say it right now, right here from Lieutenant Governor, we should have universal mask wearing when you are near anyone else outside of your household. Now, if you're out for a walk and there's no one else around you or a jog or you're surfing, you don't need to wear a mask. But if you are at work, if you're near people, you need to socially distance and to the best of your ability, wear a mask. That's what we should do. And we should do it just based on personal responsibility, not necessarily legal needs or anything like that. Uh, But having them try to knock down and even potentially maybe win a suit. The attorney general's done a very good job. She's been a star. You know, she's Claire has been studly when mm-hmm. defending these cases, and she's made good cases, and the judges have, in my opinion, um, respected her arguments, and that's why she's, she's prevailed. It's been the law. Really, what will happen is if we, if we did have a mask rule like that, then when the police see somebody, they will be able to find them, and mm-hmm. that, that is, would be the benefit, and that's what we should do, and we probably are going to have to do that at this rate. I think that we just do some sensible things. You can knock this virus out in 30 to 45 days really directly. If yeah. you don't have gatherings, people don't get together outside of their you know, true bubble and they're wearing masks, the virus goes away. And then all these other questions are moot. So mm. I think that's really the approach that has to be uh, used. And, and I don't know why anybody would want to push back on that, except that they think that that's not going to affect them. It mm. is. It's affecting them. If you're not maybe getting the virus it's affecting you because you can't go out now or mm-hmm. you can't go to the beach yeah. or or you don't have your, a job yeah or your business is hurting yeah. right exactly right. Yeah. Mm-hmm. we had uh dr o- o'carroll in yesterday dr o'carroll um and he was talking about uh, a kind of a more robust travel screening program and he was saying you know the the, the ideal is to try to have more than one test happening throughout the course of, of people being here. Uh, he said, I think that you go from catching like 30% on the first test to upping it to almost 70% on the next test. So is that sort of in progress too? Or well, that's, is that something that I, I about? like him, but you know, we've talked about that. Think mm-hmm. about it though, from a practical standpoint, yeah. you can't do it at least now because, mm-hmm. and I would definitely do it if it was possible, but it's interesting to me when people float these ideas that they know are impractical and, and actually physically impossible for us as a state. Mm-hmm. Let's say you had tourism again, this was proposed, right? Mm-hmm. So you, you have to get people screened beforehand so you decrease by 70% the overall risk that they are positive in the last three days. But if after four days, say they come here, you have everyone get retested, that would mean 
if we had, let's say, our, our regular tourism, you'd have to have 30,000 tests every day mm -hmm. available for the travelers that were here. No, we just don't have that. We have 3,000. So yeah. when they, and he knows that. So when you recommend these kind of things, it gives people false hope, and that's not good. Now, we could do pooling. We could start doing that. It might work okay. We could possibly use some of the rapid tests if the Department of Health will approve them. Mm -hmm. And I've had very good conversations with the, the deputy, who is terrific. Once again, when people make proposals that can't be used, it's a distraction. And when we can do things, it's, it's appropriate. Like, you can tell people we're only going to have designated essentially quarantine hotels and that we will police. That's one thing you can do. Then other people are going to say, put low jacks on them. Can't do that. That's mm. both unethical and also unconstitutional mm. because they're not criminals, right? So these are some things that people like as populist ideas. And then there's what you could actually do. If you really want to do it, if you really, really want to do it, you shut down travel with the exception of people going into these travel quarantine hotels and everybody wears a mask and everything is locked down for 30 days. You will knock the virus out. We're doing a variant on that and hoping that it knocks it down to 80% because it's just too hard to tell everyone that economically they're going to be devastated. Also wanted to uh, talk a little bit about the situation with the numbers of military here. Uh, this has been talked about over the mm. past couple of days where um, we apparently are not hearing the how many COVID-19 cases there may be among the military here in Hawaii. Are we going to see a change? Um, is the governor looking at, uh, you know, working with military to have their numbers of COVID-19 added to our numbers? I haven't heard the governor talk about that or the director of health uh, talk about that. It, it's, that's Bruce's or, or Director Anderson's prerogative to go and, and talk to them. I have sp personally spoken to the military and on many occasions. They've been very respectful and, and responsive when I've asked. Uh, they have told me that they will, and I have to take everyone at their word, and I do in the military, um, they will exceed the recommendations of the state. Of course, we want everyone to follow the rules. There are differences in the populations in a way People are relocating here and they have their families and they're coming here for the first time and setting up life. But we still can all be equally affected by COVID. Overall, it hasn't really been the military at fault. It's all of us. It's, it's all of us and me included. Mm -hmm. if, if we catch and spread the disease, if that happens, it's because we let our guard down or got very unlucky. And it's some of both. You want to you wanna do a couple speed run things? <laughs> Some people are saying, our test taking a week for results? Not if they're done here. There's still just one to one and a half days. If we go over our 2,500 capacity, up to 3,000 at the most, then we send it to Texas, then it's five to seven days. Should we stop large funerals? Yes. We should have no more than 10 people at a time and then at least a half hour of cleaning in between. Uh, let's let the public help with contact tracing. Absolutely. Please call Sarah Park and Bruce Anderson immediately <laughs> because we need your help. Hmm. Is Oahu exempt from inter-island quarantine? Uh, no. If, if individuals travel from the neighbor island over to here, then uh, they don't have to quarantine because there's no cases essentially over there at the moment. If you go back, you're going to be quarantined. September 1st, cancel are still on. Uh, to be determined. Uh, I'm still preparing as though it's got to be on. Uh, why is there an increasing number of homeless in Honolulu? Uh, are they being flown in from the mainland still? No, not very much at all. There's not almost anybody flying in from the mainland in that category. Before it was at 11% uh, of new individuals. They're still homeless because there's still poverty. Can't idolist 
Camp Idle State and County employees to do contact tracing? Yes, absolutely. It's a pretty straightforward process. A lot of great workers there. <laughs> okay. Wow. <laughs> okay, I don't know about you, but do we need to get you a towel or what? No, no, <laughs> I'm good. Out here because that was. I don't actually need always, a vacation. I need to go and do a nice shift in the ER where it's more relaxed. <laughs> <laughs> well, you're gonna get 48 hours wow. of that, uh, yeah. that this weekend. You know, uh, Lieutenant Governor, uh, I have a friend of mine whose store is closing down. He could not get PPP. Uh, he couldn't get PPP. Yes. Yeah, protection. Yeah, yeah, yeah. he could mm-hmm. not get any sort of loan. He just has to close his store because he said the the problem is that they're uh, they're foregoing rent, but they're saying okay, we're going to forego your rent, but you're still going to have to pay it when this is over. They don't know when that's going to be over, and so he just he's suffering yeah. under all this debt. So I don't know how to help these small businesses out. Because this is the first time anybody that I know has actually had it happen to them. And I'm just like, Ugh. This may be an uninformed uh, recommendation, but I think that uh, if, if he is in this county, they should call the mayor's office and press them for a direct grant program. They had over $370 million. They obviously have a lot to do with that work on health from a health standpoint. Mm-hmm. But I've been of the opinion for some time now that direct grants to small businesses to help with what PPP was doing would make a lot of sense. And they had a program that was relatively small that should be revisited. And all of this money, just so people know, from the federal government has to be used by uh, December 31st of this calendar year. So there should not be a leftover hunk of money at the end of the year. This is time to this is the time to save businesses and people's lives and, and uh, help them so that they don't, you know, have great economic challenges. Go under, yeah. Yeah. Oh, okay. So, so they Thank should make you. that call, and we're we're pressing for that too. Uh, that's that's outside of my scope of yeah. of of capacity. Yeah. Okay. Is there anything else that you think um, uh, we've covered a large number of topics? Any other messages that you really want to emphasize for our listeners? Well, I'll just focus on what um, the governor and the mayors said yesterday, mm-hmm. which is we need to clamp down on gatherings, and that will help a lot. So. For the next 30 days, please, no gatherings at parks or beaches. There is going to be a lot of law enforcement. They're going to be citing people. You can go for your walk um, around town and so on, but you cannot be at the beach parks or the beaches. If we stop that and we don't have any gatherings of more than 10 anywhere else of any kind, and I mean any kind, the numbers will drop uh, somewhat significantly. Let's do that. Wear your masks when you're around anybody at all. And unless they're in your immediate household where you already have exposed one another, if you do those things and you wash your hands, you will see these numbers over the course of a two to four week period drop really steeply. And then we're back down to normal and our hospitals will be, you know, stable without extra surges. Mm -hmm. That's what I'd recommend. We could get into all kind of um, additional nuanced conversations, but that is like 90% of the game. The other stuff... Sure, I would love to have a lot of contact tracers and the Department of Health should be doing that, but that's not what the average listener is, is going to be doing. So we each do our part, the disease gets suppressed. Can it's a, pers- tell- a personal responsibility yeah. thing is what you're saying. Can we yeah. also tell people to stop hoarding stuff again? Yeah, like, yeah. Don't go to Costco and buy up all the toilet paper. We're good. Right. Like, we're or okay. all the Clorox wipes. The, the lines are the, insane yeah. again. The lines yeah. are insane again at the stores. It's just, it's, it's nuts. And then uh, Esme earlier this week was saying that uh, Dr. Fauci uh, said five things. You do the five things, and we're good. And they're all personal responsibility all, yeah, things. Yeah, a lot of them personal yeah. responsibility. Mm-hmm. It's, you know, wear a mask, don't go in large groups, uh, maybe don't open bars, or don't have bars and restaurants open. I forget what the other two were. But um, they were <laughs> they were really simple. And you went, oh, 
Well, yeah, okay. I mean, I, I feel bad for the bars having to close, but um, they, they were something that you could do personally that can help things. Fa- Fauci just... is a brilliant person and someone to be respected, for sure. Mm-hmm. Listen mm-hmm. to him. Listen to his recommendations, and we'll be okay. Yeah. Okay. We look forward to having you back again next week. We're going to keep watching. I know uh, Lieutenant Governor said we should be watching the news also for mm-hmm. uh, more announcements coming out of the yes. governor's office soon regarding tourism, regarding schools. So we'll stay tuned and uh, keep folks informed. Thank you, thank you so thank you. much. You bet.